You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's hard to find reasons for optimism after the Bears' embarrassing loss to the Minnesota Vikings, now four in a row headed into the bye week. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today's podcast is brought to you by Pepsi. No matter how you watch football this season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. On the show today, we'll take stock of this Bears quarterback situation after arguably the worst performance of the season from Nick Foles that ended in a very serious injury situation, plus an update on Trubisky's health, given where Foles stands. Of course, the bye week now in between, and we'll laugh at Tyler Bray together. Then we'll touch base on the different changes we saw in the Bears' offense, both from a play-calling standpoint and from an offensive line standpoint, and add a little context to this overall offensive performance. And then we'll wrap up with some well-deserved appreciation for another really strong defensive performance with some excellent special teams mixed in there. In Nick Foles' first handful of starts with the Chicago Bears, he had some built-in explanations or excuses, depending on your level of pessimism, as to why his level of play wasn't a positive factor in the offense's lack of success. Early on, it took some time to get on the same page with his receivers, get on the same page with Matt Nagy as a play caller in his ears for the first time, and just generally speaking, knocking some of the rust off after missing most of the previous season with an injury and having no preseason. Then, once he starts to get into a little bit of a rhythm, or at least knocks some of that rust off, you have the offensive line injuries and COVID situations start to pile up, so that over the next two, three-ish games, you saw Foles with very little, if any, time to throw in the pocket, and again, sort of like, well, how many quarterbacks would be able to be successful back there? But this Vikings game felt like closer to the first excuseless bad performance from Nick Foles. I mean, other than just general offensive ineptitude around him, this was one where we saw Foles struggle in spite of some improvements elsewhere. The offensive line was still not great, but it was a step forward from where it was the week before. And in some ways, in terms of pass protection, it was functioning. You know, you look at when he was under pressure versus when he was not. He only attempted 26 passes in the game. He was under pressure on 9 of those 26. So 17 passes from a clean pocket. He was 13 of 17 for 90 yards and an interception. That interception wasn't directly his fault. It was a little bit high and behind Anthony Miller, but still hit Anthony Miller in the hands and was not a poor decision or a poor read by any means it was a ball that should have been caught or at the very least 
been a harmless incompletion, but instead it goes on the stat sheet as an interception. But there were too many times when Foles is stepping up in the pocket and missing some of those throws that normally he can hit or relying too quickly on checkdowns that went nowhere. And you could start to blame some scheme things here and there because the Bears offense really had no answers for the Vikings blitzes on third and fourth down. And that seems to me to come from a, a coaching, a scheme, and a game plan discussion that we can get into here in a little bit. But far too often in this game, Foles was not the only problem, but he was very clearly a significant part of the problem. And that all kind of gets thrown out the window in the fourth quarter when he goes down with what Matt Nagy called after the game some sort of hip or leg injury. Nagy said he was surprised to see just how much pain Foles was in. So at the risk of reckless speculation, you would think that that would be a longer-term injury as opposed to a shorter-term injury. I don't want to say too much beyond that, but it clearly the guy needed to be carted off the field and was hurting quite a bit. So that's not good for the uh, short-term prognosis. So then Tyler Bray comes in the game and has four of the funniest incomplete passes I've seen in the NFL. I mean, he gets the check down to Ryan Nall for 18 yards, which was truly the preseason offense. I mean, that's fourth quarter of the preseason game. Tyler Bray throws to Ryan Nall, who catches and runs for 18 yards. And we're doing this in week 10 of the NFL season. But a couple of those incomplete passes to the sidelines from Bray were just awful. <laughs> they were just so bad. Like, I, I was laughing out loud. You know, because kind of at that point, Tyler Bray's in the game, and, and all you can do is laugh. I mean, it's just horribly inept at entirely new levels. But it kind of raises this red flag moving forward now, though, that Foles potentially going to miss some time here. Trubisky still injured with the shoulder injury, and Bray is the only other quarterback on your roster. Plus, you added Kyle Slaughter to the practice squad, so that's a potential option at some point, but it's going to take him some time to get used to the offense, and he's a former undrafted free agent that's been on five or six different teams, so he's not certainly going to be the answer at quarterback. So then it's fingers crossed that Trubisky could be ready to go after the bye week, one more week to get that shoulder healthy. Matt Nagy said it's possible Trubisky could be ready to go against the Packers, but they're really not sure yet, and it's going to kind of be a touch-and-go situation over the next couple of weeks. Could be a cool kind of last hurrah situation for Trubisky, one last chance to show what he can do in this offense and this season, but still going to be some challenges around him, including Offensive line still a work in progress, and play calling, game planning, and scheming also still far from fixed. We'll take a closer look at what Bill Lazor did calling in the plays and whether or not there were signs for encouragement next on Locked On Bears. With the winter weather really setting in here, it's going to be a tough season for your favorite local restaurants. So make it a point to support them this week and let the food come to you with DoorDash. Ordering is super easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners across the country, you can support the restaurants that have always been there for you that need you now more than ever. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDON. 
That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDON. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. It's been nothing short of bizarre to watch this season, but Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. I tried to warn you on Monday that the Bears changing their play caller wasn't going to drastically change the offense that we saw. And maybe prepare you is a better phrase than warn you, but I really thought the quality of the offensive line was going to be the difference maker in this game. And the offensive line played better than I thought they would, and that was not the difference maker in this game. So I was right about the play caller, not quite as right about the offensive line because we saw Nick Foles play at such a poor level, and we saw the Bears opt not to give Lamar Miller a single handoff and go with the Cordero Patterson running game, which, again, not a lot of room for anybody to run back there, so I I don't want to put too much of that blame on Patterson, but we still saw a lot of the similar offensive struggles that do go beyond the offensive line. The offensive line is still a problem, still needs to be better, but they did improve from the week before, and we saw the offense arguably play worse than the week before. So when it comes to Bill Lazor running this offense, right, we didn't see brand new formations or brand new types of plays or route concepts. I mean, it was still Matt Nagy's offense, but at least it felt like for a little while there we were seeing some of fewer of the frustrating calls from Matt Nagy and then it felt like in the second half we kind of got back to the Matt Nagy offense like for example screen pass on third and short when you're just outside a field right around the field goal range area why you're having Foles throw that to Allen Robinson behind the line of scrimmage makes absolutely no sense to me and that's the kind of thing that Matt Nagy would do all the time and didn't ever seem to work we thought maybe Laser would be able to get away from that it was just not any sort of consistency there. Or you even saw, you know, in under two minutes in the second quarter, Nick Foles completes the big pass to Anthony Miller, 21 yards on the catch and run over the middle. They no huddle, they hurry up to the line of scrimmage, and they hand it off to Ryan Nall for no gain. I I believe that might have been the only carry Ryan Nall had in the entire game as I scroll up to the stats. Yeah, it was Ryan Nall's only handoff was that one rush with like a minute 50 in the first half for zero yards. You give him that carry, you give the undrafted rookie Artavis Pierce three carries for nine yards, actually the highest yards per carry average. He looked fine for an undrafted rookie free agent, sure. And you can't find a single carry for Lamar Miller. It wasn't as though Miller didn't play. He didn't play a lot, but he's caught two passes and 
didn't necessarily do a ton with them. He had a total of five snaps out of 50 plays. Artavis Pierce played six. Ryan Nall played 17. And Cordell Patterson played 25. I understand not wanting to put this huge load and huge role on Lamar Miller in his first game up with the team, but it was also Artavis Pierce's essentially first game up. And even he got more time than Lamar Miller. And I don't know exactly why Ryan Nall had to be such a big part of the offense. I mean, they they clearly preferred him as their pass protection back, which was helpful. I, I think it was part of the reason why they were able to give Foles a little bit more time to throw. But I can't help but look at this play-calling situation and feel like from a game plan standpoint, the Bears were not prepared for what everyone knows the Vikings defense was going to do. On third and fourth down, they're going to blitz you. They're going to load up the line of scrimmage. Every once in a while, they will bail out of it to show you some different looks and confusion. But otherwise, they're going to bring that heat, and they're going to play a lot of two deep coverages behind it. You heard the broadcast team pointed out a couple different times. There were third downs there where the Vikings are rushing five, six, seven guys, and the Bears don't have a hot route built into the offense for Nick Foles to throw to in case of blitz. Everybody's running 10-plus yards downfield, which is usually what you want because sometimes in this Bears offense, too many guys are running short of the sticks. But you have to know your opponent and your game plan situation that, hey, we know generally what tendencies the defense is going to try and do. Let's make sure we don't play right into that by not having a, a hot route situation set up there. So it was really frustrating, not only... I think from a a play-calling standpoint, but also from a game plan standpoint, right? I mean, yes, Bill Lazor is picking all of the individual plays, but they should have spent the whole week preparing for those types of situations and say, okay, what do we need to emphasize on third and fourth down in these critical situations? And, you know, maybe they did, and Bill Lazor still kind of went rogue on those. I mean, we could never really know the relationship and discrepancy between what they sort of game planned for during the week and how that manifested itself during the actual game, but still clearly poor offensive coaching, poor offensive scheming and execution from the coaching staff. Regardless of now whether it was Matt Nagy or Bill Lazor, these coaches were not putting their players in the best positions to be successful. And that's the ultimate indictment of a coaching staff, especially one with an offensive head coach who was brought in here to make the quarterback successful, who essentially handpicked his quarterback this offseason. Maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration or glossing over it, but Foles was Matt Nagy's guy. This was the quarterback that he wanted in this offense. And even with all of that, you still can't consistently put up points. You can't even consistently put up yards anymore. It's not even like we've seen in years past where they could move the ball between the 20s, but struggle in the red zone or things like that. Nick Foles passed for 106 yards in almost four full quarters. The Bears, as a whole, rushed for 41 yards on 17 carries. I mean, this is just not an offense that is anywhere close to performing at an NFL level with so much invested in that side of the ball, so many changes this offseason, you know, the coaching staff changes. The offensive line was supposed to get better because they fired the offensive line coach, and a new tight ends coach was supposed to fix the tight end position. And bringing in this new offensive coordinator and a passing game coordinator promotion for Dave Ragone, none of that stuff worked and at this point 10 weeks into the season it's no longer a well maybe it could still I mean you know we've we've seen what this Bears offense is and what this team is this season in in four straight losses are they always going to be as terrible as we saw against the Vikings 
probably not quite that bad, but we, we kind of generally know what the Bears are right now and what they're going to be this season. It doesn't mean they're going to lose every game, even though you might want them to to get a better draft pick for next season. They're still going to play teams tough. They still ended up keeping things somewhat close against the Minnesota Vikings. And with Detroit, Houston, and Jacksonville on the schedule, those two Packer games are going to be tough. But otherwise, there are some opponents here that should be beatable if the Bears can ever figure stuff out. And this bye week, I guess, is an opportunity for them to try and self-scout, not only try and get healthier at the quarterback spot, at running back with David Montgomery, the offensive line, defensive line injuries starting to add up, a couple of guys banged up in the secondary during this game as well. But not only get healthier, but self-scout a little bit and take that time. And Matt Nagy, after the game, talked about how he wants to kind of listen to the players and say, what are your suggestions? How can we fix this? What do you think we should do? And try and put those guys in the best position to be successful. Not that the players are experts on how they should best be used, but they should have a pretty good idea. They don't always know everything, but they might be able to provide a little bit of a different perspective for Nagy and Laser and everybody to just try and change something coming out of the bye week. Do something different, something else that is going to be changed because they keep trying to do the same things, keep trying to make these players fit in this offense, and it's just not working how they've been doing it. It's almost hard to believe they got to five wins through that first five and one start of the season. It feels like almost a different season back then, but so much of that has come down to excellent defensive performances and special teams really been carrying their share of the load the last couple of weeks. We'll look at what the Bears did well on those sides of the ball next on Locked On Bears. Even doing these post-game podcasts after a Bears primetime game, I never find myself too low on energy because I just open up a Built Go and I'm ready to break through my wall. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market, but you don't have to use it for a workout. You can use it for a podcast like me. Think five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. A healthy replacement for your energy drink. Like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. Because it's loaded up with all sorts of natural ingredients that get you going. Beta alanine, vitamin B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. Plus they come in three delicious flavors. I've had all three. You can't go wrong with any of them. Peanut butter honey chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. I always want to make sure we don't underappreciate really good defensive performances and special teams in this one when the Bears lose. Because, you know, you kind of feel like after four straight losses, it's hard to be happy with the defense, even though they did a good job. I mean, they allowed 19 points, but they got very little, if anything, from their offense in the game. And that shouldn't take away from what was such a solid job. Like, because they're losing, you kind of go back and you say, ah, well, like, both of those Adam Thielen touchdowns sucked and... You know, if they had tackled a little better here or there, and, you know, they could find room for them to have done more and done better, sure. But they more than did their job. I mean, this is a Super Bowl-caliber contending playoff-level defense that we're seeing in the field. I mean, after last week shutting down Derrick Henry, they 
pretty much did it again against Dalvin Cook. He still finished with 96 yards, but it took him 30 carries to get there. A 3.2 yards per carry on Dalvin Cook there. His longest run was 14 yards, and most of that damage came after Akeem Hicks left the game with injury. So you're toting a defensive line out there of like Bilal Nichols, Brent Urban, and Daniel McCullers on the interior. Nothing against any of them individually, but it's not quite the same without Akeem Hicks or Eddie Goldman, for that matter. And this Bears defense still shut down most of what he wanted to do. The Vikings offense was pretty much just limited to Kirk Cousins, to Justin Jefferson, the rookie, over and over again, and then Adam Thielen in the red zone a couple times. But other than that, they weren't doing a lot of damage to the Bears. And even those Jeff Jefferson plays, a couple of them were just, you know, every once in a while you'll get a Bears play where they miss a couple of tackles. The team starts to get a little bit tired and there starts to be a little bit more of a vulnerability there. But you can kind of live with everything that you saw from the Bears defense, certainly. I mean, given what they did to Dalvin Cook and given that the Vikings still weren't moving the ball, like, incredibly well the whole game. You would like to see a little bit more pressure on Kirk Cousins. They only got to him once for an official sack. They got a, a couple more hits on him as well, but was hoping for maybe a little bit better there. But again, even once Keem Hicks leaves the game, it's a little bit, you know, you, you, you hate to put the expectations too high there. But you get the Khalil Mack interception in there. You get a few different forced fumbles, one of which was recovered. I mean, you got the turnovers to help your Bears offense. How many times... Did this Bears offense start in Vikings territory and end up punting or turning the ball over? I mean, there were a couple of field goals, but otherwise they were starting past the 50 over and over again, sometimes from a turnover, sometimes from a couple of nice punt returns from Anthony Miller. I know we saw the muff by Dwayne Harris early on. That was uh, kind of the one big negative on special teams. We'll see if he even makes it through the bye week as a member of this 53-man roster, or if they just kind of go back to Anthony Miller back there full-time. But, of course, the only touchdown of the game for Chicago, the Cordell Patterson 104-yard kickoff return touchdown. I mean, what, what more can you say? To do it against his former team, to tie the record, it's always exciting runs when that happens. And even Matt Nagy had said after the game, the guys were really itching to get one, and they felt like they'd been close a couple of times and really wanted to spring him free and finally did, and it was like, that was the third quarter points that the Bears need. I mean, you kind of forget the Bears had a lead in this game. You know, right after the start of the second half, they went from down 6-7 to seven to up 13-7, to seven, and there was hope for a little while there. <laughs> and like so many other Bears games, the, the offense goes three and out like four times in the third quarter. The Vikings slowly kind of crack away at this Bears defense until they ultimately get in and score and take that lead and then of course the fourth quarter comeback attempt falls very short with the Nick Foles injury but let's just make sure we don't forget that it was still really strong run defense against Dalvin Cook okay pass rushing I suppose still saw some pretty good plays in the secondary got turnovers everything you needed from this Bears defense and everything you needed in terms of a touchdown from this Bears special teams a touchdown and one big mistake that Ultimately, you can sort of end up living with when you have a defense as good as this one. They all check the boxes again. And it felt like the second straight week where the defense and special teams both did their jobs. You saw a continued consistency from Car Carlos Santos, as John Fox would call him, Cairo Santos again, uh, two for two on his field goal attempts. It all comes back to that offense. And it all reflects very poorly on Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor and inherently above them, 
Ryan Pace, which is why you have this sky is falling feeling in Chicago right now. Even at 500, 5 and 5 at the bye week, still in the hunt in the playoff discussion, but a long way to go and what looks to be a difficult rest of the season ahead of us. I can't promise you it's going to be easy. I can't promise you it's going to get better right away, but you can be sure Locked On Bears podcast will be here with you every step of the way to help see you through it. So make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you're listening on right now because that's the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Planning on tomorrow's podcast to be an all-22 film review of the game. Take a look from the coach's angle on just how well this offensive line performed. If we can notice any major discrepancies or differences or improvements with Bill Lazor's play calling, try and take a closer look at Nick Foles' performance and as well how this defense was able to stop Dalvin Cook and, and where some of the mistakes came against Justin Jefferson. So be on the lookout for that. We'll have plenty more bye week content coming your way. We'll maybe do some mid-season awards. We'll kind of take stock of the Bears' assets heading into this offseason as well. A little bit of a look-ahead time. Maybe that's a good place to find some optimism at this point. But no Bears football this weekend is going to be tough. Maybe you need a break from it after four weeks of losing. But just make sure you still find at least a little bit of time to bear down.